Welcome to Peace and All Good with the Archdiocese of Atlanta Zone, Archbishop Gregory John Hartmeyer, a five-episode unique series exploring God-filled life experiences with parishioners. Brought to you in part by the Catholic Foundation of North Georgia and moderated by Father Michael Silloway on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Welcome to Peace and All Good. We're hoping to bring you high-quality Catholic discussions and helping all of our listeners to get to know the voice and the heart of their shepherd. Archbishop, as we kick off this episode, would you kindly lead us in an opening prayer? Sure. Thank you, Father Michael. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Almighty God and Father, you are the author of all life, especially human life, from the very beginning of the moment of conception until the last breath at the end of life. And we are grateful for the time that you give us to live in this beautiful place that you have created for us to enjoy. And we recognize that you have created us for a purpose and created us individually, and you created us out of an abundance of your love. And so we ask you to bless our conversation today and bless all of those who uh, are blessed with birth, um, the birth of a child, those who are struggling with um, infertility, and uh, all of those who are caring for children in any way at any time, and also caring for those who are in special need. And so we are just grateful for the gift of life that we consider so sacred because it is truly a reflection of you. And we make this prayer through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 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 Well, again, welcome to our show this day. And I can assure you that you will find this conversation and this topic, I think, extremely interesting. And I hope very helpful to those uh, who are uh, closest to the experience that we're going to be talking about today. Our theme today is about the dignity of human life from conception to natural death. We have been created in the image of God, and we are worth, and we are sacred, and we are a human person who has the ability to choose, to think, and to love. And so we have a very special guest, which I'm looking forward to introducing to you and to have her tell us about her story, a very powerful story about life's beginning She's a mother of four. On earth, there are three. And so we introduce uh, Lindsay Gruschow from Holy Trinity Parish in Peachtree City. Lindsay, welcome. And tell us, please, uh, a little bit about yourself and how did you experience the faith and at what time in your life? Absolutely. I am... Um a wife first. <laughs> um, I married my husband, Kenny, in 2015. We now have three beautiful girls. We have Kaylin, who is four, about to be five. We have Ella, who just turned three. And we have baby Hannah Grace, and she turns one next week. I love being a mom. 
I also love working. I recently just accepted an incredible opportunity with Inspire Brands, where we support um, about 32,000 quick service restaurants and full service dining restaurants. And I support the talent acquisition team. So I feel like I'm raising the girls and giving them an opportunity to see a mom who works hard as a mom, but also occupationally, I, I really enjoy contributing to my community that way as well. And my faith journey, in 2014, I um, came into the church, into, um, I came through RCIA and was immediately hurled into chirp and um, made some amazing connections. And, you know, you look back and you kind of start to see why. At the end of chirp, I came into the church and then got married in 2015. So a lot of big events happened very close together. Sounds like you live a very busy life. (laughs) I do. Three young children and uh, a job, a full-time job and taking care of a home and all the other things that come with with being a mom and a wife. Uh, For those who don't know, CHIRP is uh, Christ Renews His Parish. It's a renewal program that many parishes offer for a renewal of faith in their parishioners. And we're glad you had that experience. Me too. I've had it uh, as well. Did you come into the faith because your fiancé was a Catholic, or is it something you wanted to do on your own? Yeah, it's an amazing um, journey to to look back and to share. So I was raised in um, Central Florida, high Baptist, just Christian, sometimes non-denominational. But my stepmom, who uh, helped raise me, was really that rock in our family that kept faith, regardless of which faith I wanted to go to or which church, um, but really showed me what it was like to live a life for Christ and to how to incorporate that in your life daily. So I would say I was I was I came into the church. I was baptized Baptist. But when I met my husband in 2011, I think life happened and I just kind of I thought I was in control. <laughs> but when I met Kenny, he who was out of the church uh, in terms of like exercising his faith and he hadn't been to confession or communion in, in several years. And so as I began to meet his family I think the world always put this idea of what a Catholic life was like or what a Catholic was, but I had never actually met Catholics. <laughs> and so when I met him and, and his family, and um, they've been married for 30 years, and um, I came from a divorced family. And, and so, again, just seeing that consistency and watching them live their life, I became very intrigued. And so I started to study and to learn, to ask for books and um, just be really open to learning about about the Catholic faith. At the same time, I was also at the University of Oglethorpe um, studying the history of Rome, which, as you can imagine, is sprinkled (laughs) and goes into great detail about the life of Jesus. And so when I started to see that alignment (laughs) and, and really God pulling me more towards the Catholic faith, that was when I I walked up to my husband one night and said, I want to become a Catholic. And that was the first time I ever saw my husband cry. Wow. Yeah. So that was in 2012, 13. And um, he also went to, he went through RCIA with me as, as my sponsor Excellent. and also began to renew his faith. Great. So, yeah. Well, that sounds a, like a wonderful beginning to what we're going to be talking about today. Because it's so related, I think, in the fact that you have such a 
uh, a deep faith, one that you discovered and wanted to learn more about. And not only did you make uh, the choice to become Catholic, but you also um, affected your husband's faith that had been dormant for some time, and it came alive. Uh, And so it was a great way to start a marriage, sharing the same faith. Lindsay, let's talk about the kids. When did you first find out that you were pregnant with your first child? We got married in 2015 in May, and it was that August. Um, We had been uh, trying for several months and um, also learned that that was a very normal thing. Uh, May, June, July, August, so five, four months to me, it seemed like forever, but it wasn't, it wasn't long at all. And so we were pregnant in August and I waited to tell him I, I couldn't believe it. I remember I immediately went shopping and um, bought a onesie and I even waited for Amazon for two days to deliver a daddy's guide, a survival guide to, to becoming a dad when he got home from work that day. So I waited two days with this secret, which if anybody on here has ever had a positive pregnancy test, it is almost impossible (laughs) to contain that excitement. But I did um, set up a video camera and filmed him walking in and handed him a bag with the, the onesie and the pregnancy test and the book and watched a grown man fall apart. <laughs> so beautiful. It really it really was and, and is. So yeah, it was to to a lot of people especially if you struggle with infertility, we got pregnant fairly quick, but it seemed like forever and it was one of the best days of our relationship. I, I bet it was. I can only imagine what it was like. And so you began prenatal care through your doctor. And yes. how did things move along? So we, um, I think normally would would be the right answer. We had our standard checkups. So your first one at, at eight weeks, we went in and immediately confirmed a heartbeat. Then I think you have to wait till 12 weeks was the next appointment where instead of just seeing a little bean with a flicker, you actually see a baby. You see a head in the shape of a nose and little gummy bear arms. <laughs> and um, and also between the eight and 12 week appointment, we were so excited to find out if it was a boy or a girl that we opted for a blood test that would tell us a lot sooner than having to wait until the 20 week appointment. So everything seemed to be going normal up until that point. Um, It was at about 13 weeks, 14 weeks, that we um, received the call with the results of our blood test. And I remember the nurse called. I was on my way to work. And she's like, so we got your results. Do you have a second to talk? And I remember thinking, like, my husband's not here. (laughs) Like, but I'm not going to reschedule this call. Like, we're going to have this conversation. And... um, and she said, well, the first thing I want to tell you is that it's a girl. And I thought, oh, my God, it's a girl. My mm-hmm. husband is such a man man, and he is going to have a little girl. And I said, okay, but I can tell, I could tell that there was some hesitation in her voice. Like, she wanted to get that out. And I said, what else is going on? And it was at that point that she um, had told me, and in terms of how I felt, other than nausea, I had felt great. I had really extreme nausea for about the first 12 weeks. So other than that, I was good. But she informed me that the baby, she's a girl, most girls have two X chromosomes. 
um, if they have Down syndrome, they have an extra chromosome. If they have Turner syndrome, they're missing one. So she only had one X chromosome. And I'm thinking, well, this is my girl. Like, she's going to be, okay, what is the next step? She said, well, you're 12, 13 weeks pregnant. Typically, if you were going to miscarry, it would have already happened. So I'm immediately feeling hope and comfort and, um, and okay, again, give me the next steps. So I, um, the hard part after that, I was basically convincing her just to give me some action items and let me get off the phone with you and tell my husband that we have a girl, but also have to now relay this information, which I don't know anything about. That was kind of when we first, that was when we were notified that something was wrong. But again, me having the hope, it's like, all right, like we can handle this together. It's something called Turner syndrome and and we'll get through it. So how did you then find out more about what Turner's syndrome meant and how it would affect your pregnancy or the birth of the child? So like everybody does is with Google. Um, We Google it, which is the absolute wrong thing to do. But we immediately were given a referral to a genetic counselor. And we set up an appointment for that Friday. So I think it was Tuesday. um, And we were able to get in pretty immediately to see um, a genetic counselor at Northside. And, um, you know, when we started to learn about the disease, we learned that it is more common. We learned that there are some side effects, short stature, so maybe not getting over five feet tall. We were nervous to hear that there's, with Turner syndrome, a lot of occurrences of it gives them a lack of the correct hormones to ovulate. So there's hormone therapy that's involved. But again, we're seeing all the bright side and the hopeful side, one, because of our faith, and two, because you know, the nurse that gave us the news is saying, you've her heart's beating. Typically, you know, you would have known something was wrong sooner. So, you know, this is your new path. And, um, and we really leaned into that. We went to that genetic counseling appointment. And this, this is where we learned and confirmed a lot of the stuff that we learned on Google. But um, it all seemed very, I don't want to say standard operating procedure, but just, you know, here's We're what her life what is going to look like. Yeah. And um, I remember when I went into the appointment, they said, you'll get an ultrasound when you're finished with the genetic counseling. And even the whole time they're sitting there talking to me, I'm thinking, I want to see my baby. <laughs> and so they went to send me home, and I'm like, you all know, like, I still get an ultrasound, right? Like, I get a picture <laughs> for what I just went through. What was interesting about the appointment, too, typically my husband had been to every appointment, but for one reason or another, he wasn't able to make that one. But I, I'm like, we're good. So um reminded them I had my ultrasound. I got it, and it was... um I laid on the table just ready to see my baby girl, knowing that she's a girl for the first time. And I remember looking at the screen and just not like something was immediately off because I anticipated being able to see like your baby would have been bigger by now. And I just I th- maybe mother's instinct. I just I knew something was wrong. And um, before the nurse, she didn't even have to say anything, um, but she had left to go and get the doctor. But I knew that her heart had st- – I couldn't see it, and I had seen it before. So it's hard to dial back exactly what my reaction was, but I remember the doctor coming in, and I'm like, find it. Find it. You know, almost like it has to be a mistake. And um, 
I don't know, your world just stops. Everything stops. Every idea, every plan, every hope, every dream, it just feels like it stops. Yeah. You, and you just, you're like, how do I even... The life I knew after this was so different. I don't even know how to function. Mm -hmm. There is. And I was alone, and that was a really, really hard part. And I felt really bad, too. The, you know, the nurse and the doctor, they don't know what to do. They don't know what to tell you. They don't even know where to send you. You're just, I hate to say it, your baby is dead, and you're carrying her. And you're kind of scheduling an appointment with your OB. We're really sorry. And that's that was where everything everything changed. So it was during that appointment that the doctor confirmed that the baby's heart was not beating yeah. and that the child had died. Yes. Uh, so did they give you a recommendation as to where to go or, or what you could expect? Would the, would the body naturally expel? Yeah. Or would you have to have surgery or what would what would be the next step? So I went to my OB the next morning. So they didn't really give me anything. They just had scheduled an appointment with your OB. And um, when I went there, that was when a lot of the, you know, she confirmed also that there wasn't a heartbeat. And um, she said, oh, we'll just schedule a DNC. It was kind of just, again, standard operating procedure. And I even asked, like, what is that? <laughs> What is a DNC? And um, as she's explaining it, I'm like, you're taking, okay, I, I get it that this is what happens. But again, I'm still trying to grasp the concept that I'm not having my baby. Mm -hmm. And she's telling me she's trying to schedule a surgery to take my baby from me. So that was, again, you're hearing it and you're hearing this option. But I, um, that was that morning that they told me that that was essentially my only option. And I said, do I have any other options? And she said, well, you can try to pass, you know, typically your body will eventually recognize that um, that the baby needs to, to be delivered. But in some cases it doesn't and there's risk of infection. So um, it was at that point I told her I just, I couldn't make any decisions then and I needed to go home. And that was when we contacted um, the deacon that married us. Cause I just, again, I didn't know what to do. And um, so my husband even suggested just call called Deacon Jim and um, and surprisingly enough he had an answer so he knew that we were pregnant we of course I mean told everybody fairly early on we um, it was around Christmas time too so it was about two weeks before Christmas um, so we had Christmas cards um, made up um, announcing that we were gonna have a different gift under the tree and we had the picture of our baby and we had just sent those out the week before um, we had gotten the results back. So I say that just to preface, you know, the, the planning and the excitement. And and then also you've got 80 people to call and let down. That's just that it's it's a lot of responsibility. But our focus, of course, at that time was was figuring out how to proceed with life as we now knew it. Um, so Deacon Jim, I told him, I said, I don't, I don't, is a DNC right? Is it, how does the church look at a DNC? I, I just, I didn't know. So he at that time mentioned uh, Nicole Hartman and a uh, ministry called All Embrace. 
And I said, well, what's this? I had never heard about it. And so he gave me uh, Nicole's phone number and said just to call her and that she would guide me from there. And so it was at that time that I reached out to Nicole. She answered the phone right away, which I was shocked. Usually if somebody doesn't know a number, they won't answer. She did. And um, the, it was either that evening or the next evening. I just remember it being very fast. But um, she was there. She, um, even over the phone, met me right where I was. Um, she just said, I'm so sorry. She wasn't trying to fix everything, which I think I just kind of expected because I'm that person, too, where when something's wrong or somebody's hurting, I want to fix things and make them feel better. She didn't do that. Um, and so she just said, I'm so sorry. When can I come and see you? And um, when are you available? So I met her the next evening. And um, immediately I opened the door thinking, you know, I'm trying to be in host mode. <laughs> you know, is the house clean or the dogs? But, you know, but um, it's hard when you're grieving and you're also lost. And so I remember her opening the door and just arms just wide open, <laughs> like, here I am. And, and I just, I saw her breaking too. And it's, here's a stranger that doesn't even know me that is now at my front door, um, ready to, to walk beside me and ready to walk with both my husband and I through this. And that was kind of where our whole journey with Embrace began. She, at that point, you know, you talk about options in DNC and this is it's going to get a little uncomfortable because this is just not something that you grow up knowing about. But um, when a doctor says, well, if you want to go home and pass your baby, you can. How do you do that? Hmm. I don't know when I have a job. I, I don't, my job is going to have to now know that I'm going through this, but I still have to work. But you feel like a ticking time bomb. And I'm sure a lot of women listening right now can relate to that. And that that's a hard feeling to have and not have resources. And so this ministry provides, and she came with a gift bag. And in this gift bag was a book for dealing with miscarriage and loss and just very small chapters of stories of women and families that had experienced um, miscarriage and loss. It um, had a stone memorial box along with a net along with a um, sanitized like Ziploc bag. Um, and it was an entire kit where I could always have that with me either at work or at the house or in my car and essentially be ready to pass my baby whenever the baby was ready to pass. And again, it's one of those things. It's like, this is genius. This is so great. It is a resource that I don't think anybody knew and you know, still doesn't know was it was available. And so I felt very comfortable coming out of that meeting with her that I was ready to for whenever the baby was going to be ready and, and had everything that I needed to begin healing and to to at least have um, a plan, I guess, very different from the plan that we had started with. It sounds like Nicole came at just the right time. You, you didn't have the answers you needed it was a very private moment for you and for your husband. Before you go further on, on, on the Embrace ministry, I'm curious about Kenny's reaction through all of this from a man's perspective. It's, it's a very different reality, I think, uh, for a man 
not, not so much in the end result because the loss of a child is obviously a loss for both of you. Right. But the feelings of you carrying a child as opposed to a man, your husband, and the father of the child yeah. uh, didn't have that same sensation or that same privilege that yeah. you had. How did he respond from the time you both learned that the child was not going to come to term and, and that the heart had stopped, what was his reaction, both how he dealt with it for himself and also for his wife and, and you as a couple? So he, um, right after, because I was alone, he and I called him on my way home immediately. Um, it was almost like he dropped the phone as he was like, getting in the car to come and meet me at the house. So it was um, most like superhero mode. Um, very much in protector mode. Um, and then once he got to the house and came in the door, I mean, I've never really sat next to somebody and like felt tears, but I felt them on me. <laughs> and I just remember thinking like, how is he going to get through this? This is my husband. This is the stronghold. This is, you know, um, but we were both very, very broken. But after that moment, he became very much almost in like an autopilot where he's the protector and kind of protecting me. And so in a lot of ways, I think because that protector and the husband, he moments will hit him where it's like and it's very heavy when it does, when he almost slips out of that protector mode and realizes that he he lost his daughter, too. So it is a very fine line where I don't I don't think fathers feel like they have a safe place to grieve because they're really being that foundation and that strength for their wife. So I think the the grief definitely comes different. I can't speak for him. But the one thing that I do know is that Embrace gave us those resources. There's mm -hmm. even a, a separate section in the book that was for fathers and that had fathers that would share their stories. I remember kind of passing the book off and I was like, there are some things in here for you too. And he was very receptive to that. Mm -hmm. but yeah, I definitely think it's different. I think it is. I think it is yeah. um, for all kinds of obvious reasons, but it, it doesn't always um, come across. The, the emotions of a man Aren't, aren't as easily expressed in many cases, especially when there's such a mystery such as the death of a child that yeah. was in growth and in, in process. Lindsay, I want to thank you for, for sharing your story uh, for us and for all the listeners. And I can promise you, after a few years of being in the priesthood, that there are a lot of families that, that need to hear someone with the courage and the experience who have experienced that kind of loss and grief to give them the comfort and freedom to uh, to address grief that they have experienced themselves. So by you sharing your story, you're shining a lot of light into people's hearts, and we're very grateful. Friends, when we come back, we're, we're going to continue to hear how the, the Lord opened up a path of healing for Lindsay and her husband through this ministry you all embrace. Peace and all good with the Archdiocese of Atlanta's own Archbishop Gregory John Hartmeyer will continue on AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Thanks to the Catholic Foundation of North Georgia for a grant supporting this program. They work with Catholics to make a real difference in our Catholic community to support their individual causes. The Catholic Foundation is a partner of parishes, schools, ministries, and nonprofits in the Archdiocese of Atlanta. Here at The Quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. 
Now more than ever, people need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. As a 100% listener-supported station, the Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. Please consider making a monthly donation to the Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station. Visit thequestatlanta.com to donate. Thank you for your support. AM 1160 The Quest is listening to you, too. One listener shared. Every time I get in my car, I turn on The Quest, and it seems to always address whatever is on my heart that day. God is really speaking to me through this station. Thank you so much for bringing a message of truth and hope into my life and to so many others across Atlanta. If you're enjoying the station, please consider supporting us with a donation. Go online to thequestatlanta.com. This is Lisa Popchek from More to Life. Catholic Radio changes lives. It's for you, with you, every single day. Whether you're rejoicing over something and you need a community to share that with, or you're struggling with something and you need a community to support you. We're here for you every day to teach you about your faith and to help you live it. This is your home, and we're always here for you. Thanks to our friends at EWTN, our programming is provided free of charge. But this station has other expenses that must be paid to keep the doors open and the lights on. Support of your local Catholic radio station helps keep shows like More to Life available in your area. No matter the amount, your gift works to make a difference for you, for others, and for the future of Catholic radio. Please prayerfully consider making a gift right now. We'll talk to you soon. To donate, log on to thequestatlanta.com. Hi, this is AJ with The Quest. Did you know that we are on a mission to invite, inform, and inspire listeners like you? We want you to embrace your journey and take one step closer to God by not only listening, but engaging with us. In fact, we could use your help with making this vision a reality. I ask you to prayerfully consider joining us as a missionary to help with volunteer tasks at our studio in Roswell, Georgia. If you feel called to help and would like to learn more, please send us an email at info at thequestatlanta.com. Peace and all good with the Archdiocese of Atlanta's own Archbishop Gregory John Hartmeyer, moderated by Father Michael Silloway, continues now on AM 1160, The Quest. I'm Father Michael Silloway, joined here in studio today with the Archbishop himself, with a very special guest, Lindsay Grushaw, who's been sharing with us the experience of the joy of finding out you're going to be a mom for the first time, and then how sometimes things can take a radical turn to the to the challenging and the the grief stricken and losing a child through miscarriage and again we're so grateful that you you're sharing your story with us today and uh, we're turning now to to see how the lord the church through his instruments like with people involved in the all embrace ministry uh, began to shine that light into your life um, and give you hope for healing yeah lindsay it must have been a, a moment of great joy when you and your husband could tell your family your friends that you're you're going to welcome a, a child into the world, into your marriage, and then 13 weeks later have that tragedy when you became aware that your child was not going to come to term and, in fact, had died in the womb. How did you find the strength? What did you say? How did you do it in terms of notifying your close family members, people that you know should know yeah. because they're they're close to you? How did you find the right words to say to them, and what did you really need to hear from them? 
So when my husband and I first came together after learning that her heart had stopped, we wept together for probably close to an hour. And then um, I remember looking at him and just saying, how are, how are we going to do this? But we can't wait. You know, we can't wait to tell, um, especially our closest family, our moms, our dads, grandparents. And um, I remember calling my mom and I was very quiet. I was quiet. Usually I get on the phone and it's, hey, mom, what's going on? Here's what's going on here. I'm great. The baby's great. Still a little nauseous, but it was a very different, different start to the conversation. Um, and to be completely honest, I started the conversation with, um, we lost our baby. And she's like, you what? Like, almost like a, where is she? Where did she go? Mm -hmm. Kind of, what do you, what do you mean? And of course it's, it's really hard hindsight. Like maybe I should have gathered myself a little bit, but you can't, you can't prepare to break your mother's heart. Cause that's, that's essentially what you do. And, um, and so it was quite honestly, other than telling my husband, I think the hardest thing we've ever done is tell um, my mom that she um, was not going to get to meet her grandbaby. And um, I'm an only child, so there's a lot of pressure <laughs> um, to, to make them grandparents. To be honest, you deal with a feeling of failure. You, even though you know, you know, it was a gen, even it was a, an accident, it basically just a chromosomal accident. There was nothing that, no pills I could have taken, no better care of myself, nothing I ate. But you feel at fault. I didn't even know what, what I wanted to hear. But the things I did hear, and not to her fault, was, well, it's okay. You're going to, you're going to have more babies. You know, this is your first one. And it's like, nope. <laughs> That's not the right thing right now. But who knows what the right thing is? And this is, again, why Embrace is just so amazing because it, it does have those tools and resources um, to help families know what to say and what not to say. The best thing I think Kenny and I heard after we lost Madison was when Nicole met us and um, and looked at me and said, I, I maybe even said, like, I'm just, I'm not okay, and I'm not going to be okay. Like, again, I don't know what the future looks like, but this is just not okay. And she's like, it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to, to break down, and it's okay to break down right now. And guess what? Five years from now, when you think about her, it's okay to fall apart. This was your baby, and this baby was taken from you. And it was just so refreshing because I'm thinking, here she is. The deacon sent her to me. Isn't she supposed to be telling me, like, it's all God's plan, you know, and, and you're going to be blessed again. And um, God needed the baby more than you did. Which, again, these were all the things that you, you were not supposed to hear. But they are the – it's just how the world um, – thinks we are supposed to hear it and thinks that those are the things that we need to hear to move on. And um, another thing that somebody told me was, when are you going to get over this? No. Yeah. But again, you just, you, you don't know how grief affects you. But yeah, like I realize I can't stop crying for three days. <laughs> um, and it was at that time that 
um, I believe, Nicole's coaching and then also really leaning into my faith in the books that she provided. And I remember saying, I'm never going to get over this. But with the help of God, I'm going to get through it. And I will rebuild. But for now, it's okay to not be okay. So, and as I continued really learning more about Embrace and, and how to help other families, because once you get into the club and women and men out there that know what I'm talking about, it is not the cool club that you want to be a part of. But I was now in that club. And I think one of the best things that happened is so many friends that I didn't know had experienced lost began reaching out and and telling me about their baby and about their journey. And I, I had been friends with these people for five, six, seven, some 10 years. You even mentioned something just a moment ago. You you let us know the name of your baby. Yeah. Madison. Yeah. And that's, I think that's one of the great things uh, All Embrace Helps Moms to realize is this is your child. It, it can have a name. Yes. And that was, um, I think in some cases I kept saying my baby because I was like, I didn't know if I shared her name yet. Like this big reveal, right? Um, but yes, her name is Madison. That is something, even as, as friends that I know, um, experience loss now. And, and I asked them, what did you name your baby? And they go, I didn't know I could. I didn't know that that was a possibility. And, and j there's so much power in just, again, what Embrace offers, but there's, when you lose your baby, you expected to have a birth certificate. And then at the same time, well, you, so you, were, you thought you were going to have a birth certificate, but now your baby is gone, but you don't get a death certificate. And so one thing that Nicole immediately also offered was a life certificate. She could probably better explain the details and how very special this is, but it's very unique to embrace. It is displayed in our house for all to see. Um, but I remember receiving that and just kind of almost thinking like she was real. You know, like her life did matter. And um, I think, again, sometimes when you're dealing with grief in different ways and feeling like when somebody says you feel empty, it is an emptiness inside emotionally and physically. And that is something no course or no class or no, you know, nothing can ever prepare you for. And so that certificate for me really validated um, everything that I was feeling. And, and even to this day, still, she is such an active part of our life because sure. we talk about her even when we have neighbors that come over, they're like, what is that? And so it's, oh, that's our daughter, Madison, that's her life certificate. And it's just another opportunity to share um, kind of her legacy. And I think that helps the healing. It's an ongoing healing that, you know, there's an emptiness with the, the absence of, of your first child. And, yeah. and Madison will always be your first child. Yeah. And her siblings will know her yes. as their older sister. And, and so that life certificate, as you say, validates the fact that Madison has a name. She had life. I felt her. We saw her picture of her. Yep. She's a very much a part of our family history. And uh, she, we're not going to do anything to forget her or to try to forget her. Absolutely. Um, Lindsay, why, why do you think 
maybe I'm wrong, but why, why do you think many women who experience miscarriages, perhaps even earlier than, than you did, don't say anything to anybody except their spouse? I mean, it, it's almost a secret, as if it was there was something wrong, that, that you did something wrong, or that, you know, it's just something you don't want to face, or you, you don't want the hurt to surface, so you just suppress it so you don't talk about it. Right. I'm, I'm sure that my mother had miscarriages that she never told us about. Right. W- why do you think that is? I think there is a couple of different ways to approach this. I think one is for almost having like a personal responsibility feeling. So when I talk about like that feeling of failure, that was something I wasn't prepared to deal with. I always kind of grew up like, how can I make my parents proud? What can I accomplish next? And that control is completely out of your hands. And the world tells us we have that control. You know, we can take the prenatal vitamins and we do the classes and we, you know, and so again, the world paints a very different picture of what um, every pregnancy journey should look like. And nowhere in there does that journey include where the journey stops. Um, I believe it does after there's a certain number, 20 weeks of pregnancy. If you make it to 20 weeks and your baby is born, you get a birth certificate, you get a death certificate, your baby is born in a hospital, um, and you get some closure. You get, you know, you birthed your baby, you went through the stages, it was earlier, but there are some resources there but there's really no conversations around what to do before that. And there's no validation that, or, and no proof that you are a mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the big thing. And that's another thing that the life certificate really provided. It's like, I am a mom. Yes, because typically when you're a mom, you have a baby to, on your hip to, yeah. to show for. Yeah. And so I think that that hidden is trying to show like, I'm strong. I'm a woman. I, you know, I didn't, you don't want to admit, you know, that, that loss and it's uncomfortable. It is just a very, but death should be uncomfortable. It is an uncomfortable place. The fact that embraces has out there like, Hey, this is, let's lean into those hard spots. Let's lean into the, the uncomfortable moments and let me walk with you and let me embrace you through this journey versus just letting you fend for yourself. A few minutes ago, you, you, you mentioned that your, your baby was taken from you. And, and that's an interesting um, question, I think, that a lot of women or couples would have on their minds as, you know, we speak about God giving life. Mm-hmm. And when life is taken away, as, as was Madison, do you see it as a theological experience or a physiological experience or a little bit of both and sometimes confusing because it's so mysterious Mm -hmm. Uh, even though scientifically they can explain the chromosome absence and and what would happen as a result but how did God settle with you eventually after some of the the sharper more immediate emotions take place absolutely was was God on your side were you were you angry with him have you come to terms with yeah. him? This is a great question, and I like the deeper, harder questions. 
So to be completely honest, I was very mad. (laughs) I had just reignited my faith. I had listened. (laughs) I had followed. I was confirmed. I got married. And again, just just in my mind was like really ramping up my spiritual journey. And and I almost felt um, typically when you're on the path and your kids are doing the right things, you reward them. And um, my relationship with God changed permanently in that moment. I did learn that in a relationship, it's okay to be mad. Like you're going to, yes, you love your mom and you love your, but you're going to have highs and lows. It's what you do with that. You know, does it does it break you or does it take you to, to new places? And are you open to receive that? And um, when I when embrace was offered, like as like, again, I'm I'm sinking. And then here's the you know, I was given these solutions and these answers. So I was mad initially, but then immediately started seeing where almost like supernaturally just things were happening the way that they were supposed to. And that I was I was getting um really the the answers that I was I was looking for come now five six seven is it seven years later goodness (laughs) um I feel like I still have my highs and lows I feel like there are moments like this where I have an opportunity to sit here with you all and to share what embrace has done in our life and give that opportunity to, to let other families know like it's okay to not be okay and here are some resources that help me and that this was the this was Madison's legacy this is why it happened and then there are other days um, that I look at my three girls and I, I miss that they don't have their their big sister so the reality is is that God is there and he has and he has he has turned something so horrendous just into a beautiful a beautiful gift and another thing with my girls being so young getting really close to where it's that time to introduce them to their big sister so this is again where embrace like I haven't needed like embrace, I have been trained and gone through the courses to help others, but now I'm gonna, I need embrace again. So it's an ebb and a flow. But again, rather than turning away from my faith, uh, you know, I saw it as instead of like, why God? Like, what God? What? What is your mission through this suffering? What is what is it that you want? my suffering to do for others instead of why did you let this happen so that is is how my faith has really evolved and now I even carry that into you know when things don't go my way or I feel like something's taken from me instead of saying why God it's it's what God what are you what mission you know what what is your will through through my suffering right now and that has um really elevated my faith and um really 
I guess, increased my faith, but it's not always that high. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not always where it should be, as I'm sure many people can also relate. I, I think your three daughters are going to love to be introduced to their sister. I, I think they will fall in love with her and all that you can tell them about her. Yeah. You know, I, whenever I preach uh, about life and its mysteries and its complications, I, I always um, emphasize that God created every one of us for a purpose. And, and, and when you look at a, a life such as Madison's and, and you say, well, what was the purpose? What was the purpose of that life? You know, why did God put us through that? And I don't have that answer, but I think maybe in the course of your own life and the life of your children, um, as you see them continue to grow up, and and the more you reflect on what has happened uh, in your in your marriage, you might find a purpose uh, that's there, and you might find that God very much had something that He wanted to share with you, even if it was for thirteen weeks. Yeah to give you a message, to give you some kind of a, um, a response of his presence in your life and, and his, his love for you and his plan for you and how you can help others go through what you went through. Yeah. Archbishop, that's so beautifully well said, because that's got to be a really hard thing of trying to find a, the right words to say. You, you want the children to have a, a positive experience, but and meeting their their older sibling who has gone before they were even born. But Embrace has resources uh, to help facilitate those conversations. And just as a reminder, friends, you're listening to Peace and All Good with Archbishop Hartmeyer. We're here with Lindsay, who's sharing this beautiful story. Let's uh, talk a little bit more all about All Embrace, because it's a ministry in, in the church or in the community uh, that is faith-based. And... Um, it has obviously been a great deal of support and help to you. Can you tell me a little bit more about how they encouraged you to uh, move forward with your life, naming your child, presenting you with a life certificate? Was there a burial? Was there a ritual that went further? Yes. When I had spoken before about the stone box and, and having that as a tool, there is a memorial at Arlington Memorial in Atlanta that I believe that there are two, um, typically where a casket would go, there's two sections um, that were donated for um, babies gone too soon. They also provide the, depending on the age, um, a service where they will um, provide completely free of charge to the family cremation and will then put the ashes of the child in the same in the stone um, encasement there is a plate on the front of the um can i don't know the name the mausoleum of it. yeah the mausoleum that is um just there and i can't even think of the verse let all the little children come mm -hmm, to me mm -hmm. um and I drive by it once or twice a month now and I go into the office and I always stop and say hi and fix her flowers, which is also very healing and just to be able to 
even sometimes, I mean, I've even passed by sometimes. I'm like, I'll catch you next time. And it's, you know, there's that relationship with, with my daughter and that understanding that I'll be back. Um, but when we had the, the service, the service, um, they reserve it for one day a month. And um, they provided um, everything, the seating, Monsignor from our church came to speak and to do um, the service for Madison. And it was very surreal. Again, you think here I was just planning her life and now um, here is her death. But I spoke, I talked about our relationship. I wrote a poem for her. And so there was a lot of healing that took place leading up to it. And I'm for every family that experiences loss at different stages. I think one of the hardest parts in terms of coming to grips and to understanding and being able to share it is not having that closure. Like, so my baby is gone, but I didn't get to memorialize our child. And so having that has been um, essential. Also, the um, there is a walk that they do every year. It's it's a walk with other families that have experienced loss and embrace has helped them. And um, there are several things that they do at the walk that allow you to remember your child, such as they have a gate and like a little wooden lock and you will write your baby or baby's names on there and put it on the gate. And then at the very end, everybody is given a butterfly to release Typically, if you've had three children or two that you've lost, you get a butterfly for for each of your babies. And so that is, again, something where I invite all of my friends and and our family to come to and just to celebrate her life. That's a beautiful uh, ritual, and it will continue, and it will continue to keep the memory of uh, Madison very much alive in your your heart and in your family. Mm -hmm. Now, if we wanted to get in touch with All Embrace Ministry, uh, is there a way we can do that that might help other people who are listening today. Yes, there is. So the website is allembrace.com. And that is probably the the fastest way. They are also on Facebook. And Nicole hosts uh, virtual uh, grief counseling groups and support groups. Um, She also hosts live chats um, and gives her, you know, comes on, especially during um, when... The support groups in person were no longer available. Um, she and the ministry adapted and, and went virtual and now has continued those. So that is the best place to start. Well, I think you've been an inspiration for a lot of women who have experienced something very similar to what you have and given them a lot of hope. And and uh, an expression of your faith has been very enlightening, I think, to a lot of people that might feel they're being punished for something. Mm-hmm. When, in fact, uh, it's part of the mystery of life, and mm-hmm. we're not living in a, a perfect world, and but someday we will be, and that's what we pray for and we look forward to. Amen. So, Lindsay, thank you so much for sharing this very intimate moment in your life and your family's life with us and with so many who will benefit from your, uh, from your kindness today. It's an honor. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so I would just echo Lindsay Archbishop's uh, words there, and thank you so much for that that openness, that vulnerability of sharing your experience. And we want to make sure that everybody out there knows that that your child's life matters, that every life matters. And uh, All Embrace and other ministries throughout the Archdiocese of Atlanta are here to support you. You matter. 
and the Lord cares about you, and so does the church. Lindsay, Archbishop, thank you for taking the time to be here today. My pleasure. For another episode of Peace and All Good. May we be agents that build a cultural life and support one another on the whole journey. Archbishop, as we close, would you kindly offer us your blessing? Sure. I pray that the Lord bless us and keep us. May he let his face shine upon us and be gracious to us. May the Lord look upon us kindly and grant us his peace. And may Almighty God bless us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This has been Peace and All Good with the Archdiocese of Atlanta's own Archbishop Gregory John Hartmeyer, brought to you in part by the Catholic Foundation of North Georgia. Thanks for listening to AM 1160, The Quest. And now here's a segment of the conversation that didn't make it into the episode, but is still very powerful and moving. It's from Lindsay and Father Silloway. One of the ways I wanted to get involved after about a year after having Madison, I wanted to know how to give back. And I reached out to Nicole, and she offered something called companion training. So I found myself in a full-day program receiving training and resources on how to help other families um, and how to be there for them like Nicole was for us. And I found out that they also have training for priests. Yeah, so I've, All Embrace wants to be a an advocate for the whole church to teach not only just the initial crowd of people that Nicole Hartman was able to gather around herself, but then to teach other people, whether they be in ministry capacities or they just be regular people who want to help or women who have gone through the situation themselves, how they can then give back. And I myself was the beneficiary of some of this training. And it, it came at truly the most perfect time when I was a parochial vicar at the cathedral. So right after finishing seminary, um, about a year in, um, I get a phone call that, that a husband and wife, they need somebody to talk to. And I was on duty that day, so I was still in the office. They come in and they tell me that um, they, they just come back from their appointment. And the doctor had told them that their, their child had one of the trisomy conditions. I don't remember which one, uh, but it was a, a chromosomal defect wherein the child's lungs would not develop. And they were not developing. And so they, they said, even if he comes to term, he's not going to be able to breathe outside the womb. So they were devastated because the doctors had recommended right then we should we should abort the child and for your own sake and for, for its sake and let's just, you can begin moving on now. And she panicked and said, I'm not doing that. And they left and came straight to the cathedral to talk to somebody. I, I had even gone to the John Paul II Institute for Studies in Marriage and the Family. We covered all kinds of beautiful things about life and God's plan and all these things, but we never got into the pastoral realities of a family in this kind of crisis. All I knew how to do was, was listen and cry with them at the reality that she's carrying a child she knows she's going to lose in one way or another. And um, I'm telling you, it was two or three days later in the communique and something comes out about this woman, Nicole Hartman, who herself had experienced multiple miscarriages and wanted to help the church respond better. And a training was going to be offered at the chancery. So I jumped on that like a duck on a June bug. <laughs> and I showed up here and met Nicole. There was just a handful of us in that first round. But she and, and just a few other women had come together to put this training together for priests and deacons. And it was fantastic because she shared from her own heart and her own experience of what families are experiencing, 
what the church has to offer, how the gospel shines a light into this moment, this it is tragedy, how to embrace that tragedy, how to enter into the realism of the loss and the grief, and how to, to accompany in the moment. She get all kinds of wonderful resources. And um, I was able then to share that all with this family. At the time, we didn't have the mausoleum at um, Sandy Springs. But what ended up happening was she was going to carry the child as long as he would live. It got to a point where um, there was there's some, some complications that were going to make it dangerous for her. And they said, we, we have to induce the child now. We have to. And so there at Northside Hospital, um, they called me to let me know that it was going to happen. I was outside with my holy water. I was ready to baptize that baby as soon as he popped out. And the Northside provided a um, ministry of their own, as it were, of like uh, taking pictures and getting fingerprints and footprints and everything. Because the expectation was this child would, would pass away as soon as he was removed from the womb. Lo and behold, the, the photographer and I are standing right outside the delivery room. We start to hear screams, like crying. The baby was crying. It's like babies without lungs don't cry. Um, but this baby was crying. So we just bust in there. We didn't wait for the doctors. Like she was official hospital staff. I was like, I'm in priest mode. I'm, I'm going to baptize. And we get in there and they've, they've just taken the baby. Dad's cut the cord. They're cleaning him up. And the doctor said, I don't want anybody's hopes to get up. I don't know what's going on here. But we're, we're, we're being given extra time is what the doctor said. We're being given extra time. I baptized the baby. They did the, the pictures real quick. Everybody got to hold on to him. They immediately named him Nicholas Luke. Lo and behold, the, the baby ended up living for 24 hours. His sisters got to hold him. Dad got to hold him. Grandparents got to hold him. And then he passed away in the hospital in the NICU the next day. And I had the great honor and privilege of, of burying him and celebrating a funeral mass for him at the cathedral. Um, but that pastoral moment was opened up uh, because of the All Embrace ministry and what the Lord had done, in particularly in Nicole Hartman's heart, of saying the the grace of God is so real in these moments, and and the church has something so powerful to offer. We just got to give the right words to it, and, and equip people, and and train them the right way. And uh, I've stayed very close to that family, and um, it's a, a, a just a, a very powerful, powerful moment in in my own priesthood.